Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter number 2. Thankful to be able to open up the Word of God back to the book of Revelation and preach it again. Blessed is he that read this book. I'm going to go ahead and do something pre- prematurely because I know it's fixing to go down. Revelation chapter number 2, verse number 8. If you would stand, we'll reverence the Word of God if you're able. It's a reading of the word, and the Bible says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Amen. I know thy works and tri- uh, tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the ba- blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. I fear none of those things, which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall come some of you, uh, cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall ha- you shall have... Tribulation ten days, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Last time it said, he that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the garden of paradise of God. And now he's saying you will not have to be hurt in the second death. It's a blessing. That's a blessing. You can be seated. Thank you for standing, Lord. We love you. Thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love, compassion, Lord. All that you are to us, you're good to us, Lord. We're thankful for that. Give us the opportunity to preach again, Lord, to preach your word and pray, God, you'd get ultimate glory from it. And we'll give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the fourth message in the book of Revelation. And it's the fourth message entitled, um, from the series entitled, The Revelation. And this will be our second church that we hit on uh, in this series. On Wednesday night, I preached on Ephesus, the church that wasn't the same as they were. And so tonight, we come to the second church addressed by the Lord. And this church is the church of Smyrna. With just a little study, you can find that the church of Smyrna was located some 35 to 40 miles from the church of Ephesus. And it was a prosperous city with a population of around 100,000 people or so in that time. And so the time of the writing. And they're not, uh, they're not sure who founded this land. They're not sure anything about that exactly. But it's only mentioned in the book of Revelation. That's the only time the church of Smyrna or Smyrna, matter of fact, is mentioned. Is in the book of Revelation as far as I can find. So from what I read, uh, several things made the city of its day special. Made it very special, a very special city in that time. Uh, its myrrh population was very popular. Um, it, you, you know, myrrh was used for embalming the dead in those days. And its myrrh population were very popular. Said that they would crush the leaves up and it had a very fragrant smell in that land because of all the myrrh. And so there was a lot of myrrh, and we mentioned uh, it's mentioned according according to scripture a few times associated with Christ. We know that one of the shepherds uh, or one of the wise men brought him myrrh when they um, when they were seen him in the manger and that sort of stuff. But it's located a few times. Uh, it's associated a few times with Christ throughout scripture. That's not very important. But second, it was a re- very religious city. It was very religious. There was many temples. There was many religious systems. There were many gods in this city. Um, there were many pagans in this city. There were many things along those lines 
that were in this city. It's a very religious city, not necessarily Christ-centered, but it was a very religious city, if you will. And so they even said that according to uh, history that there's some of this city that actually had a street of pure gold going down through it uh, that led to one of these gods uh, of that city, and um, that's just what it was. But nonetheless, that does not matter, but it was a very religious city. It will matter a little bit once we see this study. But however, it was also a very great and thriving, if you will, Christian community as well. There was a very thriving Christian community within the gates or within the city of Smyrna. And so yet there were many, uh, there were very monetarily poor community, a very monetarily poor uh, people uh, with much persecution on every side of them. Uh, And so as the Lord comes to them, He doesn't come to them in a sense of anger, but rather He comes to them in a sense of appreciation. He comes to them thanking them, and they may have been very poor uh, monetarily. They may have been very weak physically, uh, but man, they were rich. They were rich people. Uh, and the Bible says in 2 Timothy in chapter number 3 and verse number 12, uh, Yea, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. They shall suffer persecution. And so this church uh, possibly stretched around a time frame of about 150 A.D. to around uh, 316 A.D. It was quite a long church span. That's 200 and some odd years. Uh, uh, not even quite 200 years, excuse me. Um, but it's 170 years or so. Uh, um, and just a rough guess is what they say this church probably spanned. I don't know if the church is still around. I don't know any of that. But what Christ said to them can be applied to us as well. Especially if you're going through persecution. And so I'd like to preach on this thought and this title as I preach on this church tonight. Smyrna, the church that stayed the same. The church that stayed the same. Man, wouldn't that be a great testimony to have? Say we stayed the same. When the Lord looks at us, wouldn't wouldn't it be good to have that testimony and say, Man, they stayed the same. They never changed, they never got worse, they never compromised, they never done any of those things, but they stayed the same. Notice four things about this church and I'll be done. What you notice, number one, the person for this church. The Bible says in verse number eight, and then the angel of excuse me, of the church of Smyrna right, these things said the first Latham was dead, which was dead in his life. And so uh, he's speaking here, and this message we can read here was given from the Lord. It was given from the Lord Himself. And, and you know what? I was thinking, who, who, who better, uh, who was better to write this letter of encouragement to them? Who could have been better to write this letter of encouragement to the church of Smyrna, which faced much persecution as the Lord suffered much persecution, uh, which faced poverty as the Lord uh, faced poverty, uh, which faced rejection of the world? Uh, isn't that what the Lord faced? I mean, who better could write this letter uh, um, to this church? There's no one better that could. Uh, he understand what they were going through. Uh, and I want you to notice a few things, uh, that uh, the comfort that he gives in these names that he gives himself. He says, uh, these things saith the first and the last. Now, I want you to notice a name of prominence. He looks here and he says, the first and the last. He was stating, hey, I am, uh, I was, and I will be. Uh, I went through it then. I'll be with you when you go through it. I'll not leave you. I'll be with you to the end of the world. Uh, and that's what I'm telling you tonight, Smyrna. And so there he was. 
was a name of prominence. And then he goes on, he said, which was dead and is alive. It's a name of power. It's a name of power. I mean, he said, I am he. I mean, I'm the one who is dead. I'm the one who is alive uh, forevermore, as he told us. Uh, and I mean, he said, I'm the one that died. I'm the one that rose again. I'm the one uh, that had life, had the power to give away life, and had the power to take it back up again. He said, I'm the one. I'm the one that done that. You can trust me, is what he's saying. You can trust me, friend. I tell you, friend, anything you go through, anything you go through, he knows what to do with it. Amen. Death, he went through it. Amen. Rising up again, he went there. He, he, he did it victoriously, right? I mean, we can look at many things, and the church of Smyrna had ample opportunities to serve idols in that land, in that pagan culture, in that pagan place. But there's no indication that there ever did. They served the risen Savior, and he writes them a direct letter. He writes them a direct letter, and since he finds no wrong in them. It seems that he's writing this letter just for encouragement to them. Thank God that's who he is tonight. Amen. We see the person for this church. Secondly, we see the problems in this church. This isn't problems that they did. It doesn't say anything about sin problems doesn't say anything, it doesn't say anything along those lines about something that they did wrong. But it does seem that they have many other problems in this church. In a world of pagan gods, you can see that this church was going through serious problems because of their testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only reason that they were dealing with problems is because of their testimony, which was in... Jesus Christ, they were letting their lights shine in the dark. In a dark world, in a dark place of Smyrna, they were being persecuted because they let their lights shine. Let's look at a few problems they encountered. Well, first, they encountered brutal persecution. Now, the Bible says in verse number 9, I know thy works in tribulation. That word tribulation there means, in the strongest concordant, it means pressure. It means anguish. It means burdened. That's what that word means. And so what's, whatever was against them was pressuring them. It was a heavy load. It was something that was so heavy to bear and so heavy to carry. And this church seemed to be paying the price for the stand that they had with Christ. The pressure was on and they were suffering. And according to our text, the, the persecution didn't just come from the pagans alone. But in verse number 9, the Bible says, uh, And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. It tells us that they're suffering at the hands of the Jews. The Jews, the Jews in Smyrna join hands with the idolaters in that city to defeat and to destroy the Christians by whatever means necessary. Uh, and Jesus calls them the synagogue of Satan uh, and, and accuses them of blasphemy against, the, against these believers. The word uh, blasphemy simply means, it means slander, it means evil speaking, uh, it means a railing on. Uh, and, and I tell you, why were they against these Christians? Uh, why were they turning against these Jews? Uh, these Christian Jews, uh, why were they doing it? Well, I believe it has a lot to do with how they're doing it today. You won't follow their gods. You won't, uh, you're enemies of the wicked government. 
the wicked government of Rome. They were enemies of that government. And some say in that day it was, it, it was an absolute, it was a big problem if you wouldn't say, or at least once a year, if you didn't proclaim publicly, if you didn't proclaim Caesar is Lord. It was a problem, and it was such a problem uh, that they would even be perse- they would either be persecuted for it or they'd be killed for it. They didn't do it. So nonetheless, they dealt with brutal persecution. And then we see not only brutal persecution, but it goes on, it says, and poverty. They encountered bitter poverty. Now, according to the Strong's Concordance, this word means beggarly. It means destitute. So listen to what I'm about to say. Here's the thing. They had nothing, uh, and it was all because they stood for Christ. That seems contradictory. You'll never hear that preached in any, in, in any of these um, happy-go-lucky churches. It was all because of their stand for Christ that they uh, dealt with this poverty. I'm telling you, these people had nothing in a city that possessed everything. Understand that? This city was known, if you were to study and look at some things, this city was known as the glory of Asia. So in all of Asia, this was known as the glory of it. Had everything in this land. I mean, imagine how Satan must have mocked these people and mocked these dear Christians. Uh, and I'm sure he let them know that uh, serving Jesus cost you everything. Uh, and can you hear him whisper to them, Look at what you are uh, and look at what you have. You have nothing, Smyrna. Nothing. Yet there was a better day ahead. They encountered bitter poverty and then they encountered being in prison. The Bible says in verse 10, Fear none of these, those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. But you may be tried and shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. So this is coming from the Lord. And he tells them that there is more hard times ahead. He tells them that they will face more persecution. And the ten days, the ten days there is really long debated, by the way. It's uh, very long debated by many scholars. And so, I'll give you my opinion in just a minute, but I, I do not have much comment on it, but I'm taking the Bible literal. That's what I'm going to do. Some say ten days, you know, equate that to Christ's days. Some of the gap theories, theorists say something along those lines, you know. Equate that to ten days, that's a long time. Well... Only problem with that is it still hasn't been that long. If they want to add, you know, a thousand days in his courts is like a, you know what I mean. If they want to add it that way, then it still hasn't come to pass. Ten days is still running, right? So it's still, because it's only been 6,000 years since the earth was created, by the way. So you think about that. And so, um, but I'm taking the Bible more literal approach, and I like the Bible, and so I like to take it upon its word, wouldn't you say? And so ten days it shall be. I believe it meant severe yet soon ending. That's what I meant. That's what I believe it means. I believe that it, it, was, it was such a, it will be ten days, but it will be so severe that you just, oh my. And so I'm not, I, I tell you, either way doesn't make it easy. If it was 10,000 years or ten days severely, would you agree it still probably wouldn't be easy? Anybody else agree on that besides Warren in here? 
it probably wouldn't be easy. It probably wouldn't be easy. They will have more. They will have more in what they, what they are told. There will be much more coming in. And you do study, you'll find prison in that day was nothing like it is this day. When people were put into prison under the Roman Empire of that day, uh, they didn't go in and get a college degree. They didn't go in and get to watch TV and lay around and have three meals all day. That's just not what it was. They didn't get to learn a skill. They didn't get to do all that. They didn't spend their day writing books and that sort of stuff. No, that's not what it was in that day. Uh, When a person went to prison in those days, it was to await persecution. It was to await execution. That's what was going to happen. They were going to die. The only way you got out was death most of the time. And death was usually a horrible thing. It wasn't just going to be an easy death. I'm going to shoot you and be done. No, it's more like, you know, you might be killed by the sword. You might be burnt by the stake. I mean, you might be thrown thrown alive with wild animals. You might be uh, dozens of other cruel things that you could think of. But that's how people died in those days. Isaiah was sown asunder. Paul got his head cut off, dropped from Rockham Nero. Just telling you right now is that it was torment at the least, and it was torture, and they had they had devised all of this stuff the Romans have, and they this church suffered, we see. It's a suffering church. And one example of their sufferings I read that one example of their sufferings, you may have heard his name in in one fifty five AD. The pastor of the church of Smyrna was a man by the name of Polycarp. Anybody ever heard of his name? If you've done much study at all, you've heard of Polycarp. He has a lot of writings. And Polycarp was the pastor of the church of Smyrna in 155 A.D. He was the pastor of that church and he was a disciple of John the Beloved. And... um, He was martyred for Christ. And this man was arrested at the request of an angry mob that cried away with the atheists. They thought they were atheists in those days, by the way. Don't have time to get in that. But he said the, the crowd was screaming away with the atheists, let Polycarp be sought out. And why did they kill him, though? Well, history tells us that he, given the, he was given the opportunity to renounce Christ more than once. And this was his final reply. End quote. His final reply was this. Eighty and six years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior now? He was burned at the stake, and they say as the flames engulfed him, they say that he told them that he didn't want to be nailed up on the tree, but just uh, put him there that he'll just die and he won't run. So they did and set his flames engulfed around him. He was heard praying and he was heard rejoicing in Jesus. He was finally reaching home. 86-year-old man served the Lord. He was the pastor of Smyrna. And that's just one evidence that we have from history that proves that there was persecution in this church. Beloved, I tell you, persecution is going to come. 
And this church faced it and the Lord was with them and all the way through it, friend. He was with them all the way and they hate you just as much as they hate them for one reason. They love Jesus and you do too. That's why they're going to hate you. You love Jesus. You know, that's why the abortionists, that's why the liberals, that's why the atheists, that's why the LGBTQ, uh, that's why all of them hate us uh, is because we love Jesus. You can mention Allah, you can mention Buddha, you can mention Confucius, you can mention all the rest of those gods uh, and the rest, but you, when you mention Jesus, uh, they will not like you. Uh, you keep loving Jesus and He'll keep loving you and He ain't going to leave you. He promised He wouldn't. Uh, and He's faithful to us, friend. And I'm proud to say, oh, uh, how I love Jesus, thank God. Uh, Vance Havner had to say it like this uh, concerning the tribulation in the prison. Uh, he said this tribulation does not mean uh, the common trials to which the, all the flesh is heir to. Uh, he said some dear souls think that they are bearing their cross every time they have a headache. Uh, but the tribulation mentioned here is trouble that they would not have had uh, if they would not follow Christ. Uh, they wouldn't have had this trouble if they just renounced the name of Christ. Understand that. He said some people think they're carrying their cross every time they have a headache nowadays. That's true. Every time they have a headache, people say, oh, I'm carrying my cross. This is the hardest thing. But they could have just said, I don't love Jesus. And all of their hurt would have stopped. My, my. The problems in this church. Thirdly, we see the persistency of this church. We can clearly see it was a tough walk, wouldn't you say? It was a high price for loving Jesus. However, they did not bow down. They stayed the course. They demonstrated a faithful testimony uh, and for the glory of God. And they demonstrated an example of the glory of God. Uh, and even under the pressure and the weight and the persecution, uh, um, they continued to shine their light. Just remember this. If you don't remember anything else I said, uh, remember this. If your light, friend, your light, will shine brightest in the darkness. It will shine brightest in the darkness. In the darkest of times, it seems that the church of Smyrna shined on. It didn't stop shining. Notice two things real quick. Their light was a positive example. The Lord sent seven letters to seven different churches, right? We've already went through one, Ephesus. We'll end in Laodicea. And through seven churches... And seven letters, five of the seven churches received words of rebuke and words of correction. This church and the church of Philadelphia are the only two that do not receive words of rebuke and correction. The only two churches out of them all that do not sing that. The Lord had been looking at the walk of, uh, of Smyrna here. He had been looking at the, the ways of Smyrna here. And they were, he was pleased. Uh, he was pleased that they were persistent along their way. Uh, and their lights were shining in the dark. Uh, but what would the Lord have to say to us? What would the Lord have to say to us? The light was a positive example and then secondly, their light was a powerful example. The Bible says, I know thy works. 
I know thy works. According to the Strong's Concordance, this word works means an act. It means a deed. It means doing, labor, work, etc. It could also refer, though, however, it could also refer to business that which anyone is accompanied or occupied. They continue to work for the Lord. Every one of them. It does not say in any way, shape, or form that any of the church of Smyrna stopped. Is that right? It does not tell me in any way, shape, or form that the church of Smyrna did not and stopped at any point of time serving the Lord. According to the text. And they're not anywhere else in the Bible. It does not say that in any way, shape, or form. And so they continued to work for the Lord. Uh, in spite of all the darkness, in spite of the, all the persecution, their light never went out or even dimmed, according to Scripture. They stayed the course. All through hate, hatred, dis, uh, despising, persecution, poverty, they pressed on for the glory of God. And friend, I tell you what, darkness is really relevant in our days today. And we need some people of light. We need some people of the light from schools to courthouses to corners to anywhere else you want to look at. It's full of darkness today. Uh, this world is full of darkness and the message must get out. Uh, and we may be small, but we can make a difference in our community and in our country. Amen. If we'll just be an example of the light. God help us to be persistent people. Persistent people. I'm done. The person for this church, the problems in this church, the persistence of the church. And lastly, I want you to notice the peace within the church. For the Bible says in verse 9, I know thy works tribulation poverty, but thou art rich. Thou art rich. When the Lord comes to this church, He gives them a message of comfort and peace. He gives them a message. He doesn't come in and bash and banter on and batter on. He doesn't do any of that. But I'd like to look at two things that seem to be a kind of a paradoxical statement, if I could. And I'll be done. So we see there, I know thy works tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. So we see poor yet rich. I know thy poverty, but thou art rich. Poor yet rich. They were poor in their in their own sight, probably. <coughs> Excuse me. Beyond belief, they could probably say they were poor. We're poor people. We don't have anything. But when the Lord looked from His point of view in heaven, He saw a church that was rich. Friend, that's a lot to say. That's a lot to say. They may have lacked this world's goods, but their faith uh, and their faithful display uh, um, to be an example for Christ had purchased them treasures in heaven. And they were poor here, but they were rich over there, friend. Hallelujah. The world may have taken everything they had down here. Rome might have taken everything they had down here. But they had treasures on the other side that were safe from every enemy that could possibly come in. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 19, the Bible says, Lay not up treasures for yourself in heaven, 
I mean, upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. And then it goes on to tell us, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Friend, I'm telling you, it's not what you see. It's not what you see, as the songwriter said. It's not what you see that makes me a king. Oh, to me, I have everything, all that I need, all that I need in treasures unseen. Uh, The day may come when this world will take all that you have uh, and all that you own. I'm serious. The day might come when you're put out on the street and your kids are put out on the street too. Uh, It is true and they may come and threaten us with death. uh, And if that day ever comes, just take comfort uh, that you're all you are giving up. uh, All you are giving up is what death would eventually take away anyways. Uh, It does not matter friend, even if everything they take, including your life uh, and the treasures you have laid up in heaven uh, are safe in the hands of the Master uh, and your soul will merely uh, be set free to fly home uh, friend to glory and my advice would be uh, just as Jesus said in verse number 10 be thou faithful unto death Uh, you need to be faithful unto death I need to be faithful unto death I tell you this evening what you give away will be all that you have when you get to the end of this life. Add up everything that death cannot take away. That's how much you're worth. That's how much you're worth, friend. I'm telling you the God's honest truth tonight. That's why we push missions and faith promise. That's why we push giving. uh, Because you ain't going to need it anyways. You ain't going to be able to take it with you. Uh, You're not. They're poor. Yet, friend, they're rich. They're rich. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye should be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcome shall not be hurt of the second death. They're poor, but yet they're rich. They're persecuted, yet they're crowned. They're persecuted, yet they're crowned. Now what you talking their faith had purchased for them more than any testimony. Uh, um, their faith had purchased more than just a mere testimony here, but their faith uh, had purchased eternal life for them in heaven. Eternal life. Jesus is telling them uh, that while they may lose everything they have down here, they may lose, uh, they might even lose their own lives to these people. But they'll live forever over there, friend. They'll live forever. They may endure hell on earth while here. uh, And they may do that. But there will be no hell for them in eternity. He's telling them that they can't die but once. They can't die but once. We'll find out later in our study. We're Revelation chapter 20. Verse number 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And friend, their bodies may die from this earth, but that's all that death will ever know. It's, it's practically just a promotion. I mean, really, then he goes on to promise them a crown of life. Now that word refers... That word 
crown there, verse number 11, verse number 10 at the end. That word crown means, in the Greek term, it means Stephanos. You've heard that. There's two scripture There's two scripture definitions of the word crown. There's Stephanos and there's diadems. Diadems is what Christ is going to wear. Stephanos is what you're going to wear and then give to him. It's different. So, nonetheless. But we get through that. But nonetheless, it it was given in the olden days in the Greek games. You know, Paul used that a lot in his writing. Paul said, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, righteous judge, shall give me in that month. That's a Stephanos. And it's used in the Greek games. It was used there to give the mighty victors, the victors in there in the games. And I tell you, there's much spiritual warfare. There's going to be many things that go on in this life. And there's spiritual warfare left and right right now. But if you'll press on in Jesus Christ, man, you'll come out victor. The day would come when they and their faith would one day be rewarded. And this crown is especially great for those who have dealt with suffering. For those who dealt with persecution. Who stood against those who stood against God. This crown is a precious crown to them. It's like a reward to tell you you've made it. There's five crowns in the scripture, and I can't remember them all, but there's a crown in a corruptible crown. It's first Peter, I believe. Thessalonians tells us of a crown of rejoicing. Paul tells us of a crown of righteousness. Revelation tells us of a crown of life. There's one more in there that I missed somewhere, and you can find it later. But there's another crown. But there's these crowns that Christ will give us. Now, I don't know if I deserve a crown. I do not deserve a crown. But he said, him, he that overcometh, let him hear what the, he that overcometh shall not be heard a second day. But said, if you'll be faithful unto death, I'll give thee a crown of life. The Lord looked at them and said, you may be poor here, but man, you're really rich. You're really rich. You know, I may be poor here, but man, I got everything I need. I got everything I need. You know, we've taken a lot of things out of the Lord's hands in our lives. And one of the biggest problems with Christians today is they take out of the Lord's hands His promise. Now, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches. It's his provision. It's his job to supply. We realize that, right? Always supposed to do our part. You may deal with persecution, but one day you'll be crowned. That's what he's telling them. He's telling them, listen here, Church of Smyrna. I know your works. I know you deal with tribulation. I know you deal with poverty, but you're rich. I know that you might even go all the way to your death in that prison. I got a crown of life waiting for you if you'll be faithful to me. You might be little, but man, I'm going to make you big. And you're big in my eyes. And I love you, Smyrna. And I believe that's kind of how the Lord's putting it to him. He said, if you'll be faithful, you will not 
have to deal with a debt, second death. You'll not have to deal with it. So I tell you, church, I'll be honest with you. It might get bad down here before we leave this world. There may be trials, there may be tribulations, there may be pain, there may be persecutions. There may be all of those things right here in Saluda, North Carolina. But I want you to know that at the end of the way, if you're saved, you're going home to be with Jesus anyways. So I just say to you, press on for the glory of God. It won't be long. It will not be long. This is Smyrna, the church that stayed the same. We'll go into Pergamos. They didn't stay the same. You'll get to Thyatira. They didn't stay the same. Get to Philadelphia. They were pretty much staying the same. Get to Sardis, and they didn't stay the same. Get to Laodicea. They didn't stay the same. But we come here to this church tonight in Smyrna and they stayed the same. I want to give you some advice tonight. It'd be a good thing to go back and stay the same how you was. How we was. Not to lose our shout. Not to lose our, our, our separation, our ways, our, our thankfulness. Because man, God's brought this church a long ways. Don't lose what he's given. Don't lose it. Stand to your feet tonight. Thank you for listening, Lord. We love you. We thank you, God, so much for all that you do. We ask you, God, to keep us safe throughout the night. We thank you for this time to be able to preach the word of God. Lord, on the church of Smyrna. I'm grateful for that. Help us, Lord, as we continue to study throughout this. And pray, God, that you get ultimate glory through it all. We love you, praise you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.